How many podcasts do you guys push out? We do like, like one, one a week. week. Ah. And yeah. So uh, apparently you haven't listened. Great. Good to know. <laughs> no. No. <I'm> <laughs> it's okay. I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to Kyle and Courtney Have Questions, the podcast where we try to figure out what the fuck this world is all about. Every week, we pick a different topic that we have a lot of questions about. We do all the research, and then hopefully we all learn something along the way. God, let's hope so. Otherwise, what is this podcast for? What is the point? (laughs) (laughs) We're just two shitheads talking. Yeah. Well, a great name for a podcast. Excuse me, we didn't introduce you yet. (laughs) Anyway, everyone, we have a special guest here. Her name is Kat (laughs) Bakhtari. Kat, you know what? Just interrupt at any time. That's fine. I mean, I just did a podcast takeover (laughs) right this minute. So welcome to my show. She gets top billing in today's episode. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, well, she can't get enough of your love, baby. It's Courtney Agnew. And he might not be the Manhattan Project, but he is the bomb. It's Kyle Russell. Your face oh was god. hilarious. Well, it's because I know what's what is coming up later. Oh my god, so exciting! Yeah, <laughs> Courtney, what's been going on? Oh, Kyle, listen, I went day drinking yesterday, which was great. Yeah. Good times, loved it. Yeah. Um, but then I came home and decided that I was going to bleach my hair, and it was a terrible decision because my hair is now yellow. What time was that? Um, like seven o'clock. It wasn't even late. <laughs> it wasn't even late. Kyle, the event started at 11 a.m. I didn't get there oh, until, one, until one o'clock. I didn't even get there until one o'clock. Mm-mm. But I was home about five and sat around for a little bit and then was like, you know what? We're just going to fucking do this. We're going to be a platinum girly again. It's going to be great. And instead, I burned my scalp to within like a centimeter of its life. I'm pretty sure. It's well, very that's how long your hair me. is. Yeah. You know. I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to shave my head. We're just going to start fresh. I'm going to buzz it down to the little red scabby goodness that it is right now. (laughs) You're going to look like one of those women from the witches when they take their wigs off. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We all bumped and puckered. It'll be so cute. Kat, what's going on with you? Mm. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me officially now that I can speak. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Mute that bitch. Turn her off. (laughs) (laughs) Just barge in with my own commentary. I mean, things are good. I'm reporting live from my um, basement bedroom uh, where I go to, where one goes. She's a prisoner. Right. (laughs) Yes. SOS. (laughs) She's in the dungeon, obviously. She's like, I haven't been out in four days. Um, Send help. At my parents' house, they have a family room in the basement, and my dad and my brother would always go down there and like hide out to watch TV for like hours. And so my mom affectionately refers to it as the mole hole. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) They're down in the mole hole because it's just this dark corner of the basement that's closed off. So we used to, when we were little, and we would try to hide from my grandfather. We'd run outside. He had this like row of bushes that went along the side of his house, Mm -hmm. and there was like one little hole in there that we used to dive in, and we used to call the rat hole. Bunch of bunch of rats. rats. <laughs> That's amazing. I think my oh favorite my. is when you would try to hide from your grandfather. Yeah. Like what mm-hmm. was going on? Oh, you know, just we're just little shits. 
Like we would torture him and like, well, we, he would like make, make us stuff that we didn't like. Cause he was like a depression baby. So mm -hmm. he would like have like powdered milk and everything mm -hmm. with like pimento spread. So he would make us like pimento and cheese sandwiches. And then we would like just open his breakfast nook window and throw them out and into the bushes, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is why there were rats. What assholes. Um, oh, that's the, that is the tip of the iceberg. There is oh way more. Like we, we would throw things at his window. We climb on his roof. <laughs> you we tiny would, little terrorists. You guys are, are a bunch of rats. Get we, would call, we, <laughs> we would call, we would call phone sex hotlines. And it was what? in the 90s when you had like, you know, all the phones connected in each room, you know? Yes. So we, remember like one day we called like 1-800-FAT-GIRLS. I don't even know how we figured out this phone number, first of all, but we were in like the back, back room and you picked up the phone and they were like, I remember this so vividly. They were like, are you ready to whip it out? Your credit card that is. And I remember my grandfather sitting there going, what the hell? <laughs> and then we all got punished that day. Oh my God. We used to run away. It was, it was bad, really bad. That's hilarious. Maybe, Courtney, I'll instead of Dreamcast, I'll tack on a childhood story at the end of this one today. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Excellent. We're awful, awful people. Well, Courtney, what are you drinking? Um, So I am drinking a fruited sour ale from Grist House. They were the ones mm. who were hosting the event that I went to yesterday. And it's called, I love this, it's called French Toast Revolution. And it mm. literally tastes like French toast with berries on it. It's got like raspberries, blueberries vanilla brown sugar it has like a little bit of a maple syrup hint to it it's so good it's I want literally that. delicious it's breakfast. So, yeah, yeah it's exactly i can have beer for breakfast because it is breakfast it sounds yeah actually technically brilliant. it's brunch so you're you're free to drink whatever you want to listen i live alone and i'm a 35 year old woman i do what i want <laughs> you're an adult god damn it I am a goddamn grown up. I told my friend the other day, I was like, listen, because I am an adult and I make solid life choices, I bought a bulk bag, two pounds of nerds gummy clusters on Amazon for one day shipping. So I'm spending Excuse my money successfully me. as an adult. <laughs> You're like, I make my own decisions. Excuse me while I go bleach my hair and buy two pounds of candy <laughs> on the internet. I think that's yeah. what happens though when you become like 35 and then plus like, you don't wait for stuff. I don't no. wait in lines. I certainly don't wait for snacks. Like no. snacks, as you say, like they they come within the 24 hours min. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also well, now, feel like because I'm 35, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm like, I am my own toddler. So I yeah. can have whatever the fuck I want. Oh, you are. You know, Courtney, if you have a baby, you can't be the baby. I listen, I am my own baby and <laughs> it is difficult well, keeping me alive. So I'm my um, own grandpa. So yeah, you know, there you go. Or, you know. <laughs> but well, what are you drinking <laughs> today, Kyle? I'm drinking iced coffee, but I mixed it with the the black walnut cream wine mm, that we talked about that I yeah. got at uh, Round Barn or whatever, the the distillery. Mixed coffee with Michigan. wine? Doesn't that like it's do like the a, opposite? No, no, no. It's a cream wine. So it's like creamy based. It's like it's almost like um like, like a Bailey's, Bailey's kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like a Kahlua E Bailey's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's dullish. God, between between like smoothie beers and wine coffee, I'm so fucking behind. I'm, what are you drinking? Well, what are you drinking? Oh, well, I'm drinking the La Croix or La Croix, <laughs> as some people say. And I'm not even drinking the fun flavors. This is not even like a pomplamoose. This is just a fucking lime, man. Look, What's lime that? is a superior flavor, first yeah. of all. Oh, but but not key lime. Have you ever had no, key lime? No, that is so gross. Foul. 
I haven't it's had foul. it. It's foul. Yeah. It's foul. That's like, upsetting because I like key lime as a flavor. Which That's, is why it's also, it's like bastardizing the flavor. Like, don't do that. Upsetting. Yeah. Don't it's put like, it in the, yeah. yeah. It's like you like crushed up a, um, a tube of Smarties and put it in water. Yes. It's like, it has that weird sharpness to it. I hate Interesting. it. There I are actually, a lot of things in which I have tasted them. I can't tell you what they are off the bat, <laughs> but a likening to Smarties has come up a lot. And I want to like, what, I wonder what that is. What does that mean? Yes. It's for, just for our non-US listeners, Smarties are a fruity yeah. candy because in like Canada and other countries, Smarties are like M&Ms for us. Yeah. Like, so like oh, we're not yeah, talking like about chocolate tabs. water for anybody. Oh, yeah, no, no, not- no, no, no. <laughs> Gross. Well, that, that was like, that was just like want to clarify though. that because we do have some non-US <laughs> listeners who are like, what the fuck are they drinking in America? <laughs> <laughs> Look, have you ever seen the TikToks where they're like, I'm trying American candies and it's like the most random wild thing and they're like, what is this? No. Yeah. <laughs> Only in America we would have Look, like whacked out candies. Yeah. yeah. Kat, to answer your question, I think it's because we've run out of flavor combinations. So we're reverting back to our memories. Mm. And we're just like, let's recreate that nasty thing that we found. Yeah, It's a very tactile childhood memory too. Like yeah. Smarties, I'm instantly in like, I- I've just like won, the, won like a spelling contest in my fifth grade. And like, <laughs> I was just given Smarties and I've just like eaten the whole fucking thing. Yes. In front of oh yeah. Friends. Yes. Are, are you a spelling bee champion? Um, no, actually actually terrible at spelling um (laughs) my mom brought me a bunch of my old journals from second grade and it's like phonics was not happening in my school (laughs) there was no phonics i was smelling things it was inventive spelling but it was like is that child touched a little like (laughs) inventive spelling was it like pictures instead of letters no it was like sounding things out phonetically but i never leapt from phonetic to like oh and this is how you spell the word said it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) s-e-d and then she said like i mean (laughs) you were like looks good to me we're we're gonna go with this sounds right this sounds right sounds right and if you're you know yeah, I never made it to the things. But anyway, so no, I fine. I wasn't eating Smarties in front of my class. My classmates were. Maybe it was just a f- Smarty fantasy. Maybe you got it for like doing well on a test or something. Yeah. Got yeah, a little yeah. prize, a little treat. Maybe. Who knows? I, okay. So let's talk about how this connection came about. Kat and I have known each other for years now. I don't know how long it's been, like 10 years, maybe? From 2011, like 11 years. Yeah. We sang in the cabaret together, did many shows together, traveled Love to different it. cities and sang together, um, got pillows thrown at us, got in trouble for being on our phones <laughs> during shows. We were definitely like a, a, a mischievous duo whenever we were together. Um, we also cried over sausage rolls one night. You did. You, know, you cried. Look, I'm trying not to embarrass myself, please. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, listen, you're not going to get anything out of me from being embarrassed about that. I would cry no. over a really good sausage roll. Uh, me too. Well, it wasn't the sausage roll itself. It was the fact that a drag queen came to the show that I oh. was obsessed with. And then we were drunk and I was just crying into my sausage roll, really. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> That's gotcha, favorite gotcha. story. Um, <laughs> it was. It was great. and so i'm really excited that cat's here today because um i'm really excited about her topic because she's going to be talking about uh uh nuclear proliferation and the effects on the donut market so um i'm really excited about that cat (laughs) we (laughs) oh my god right so i hope you're prepared for that cat (laughs) i know i know well 
I mean, the funny thing is that the topic that I have been asked to like chat with you guys about has absolutely nothing to do with cabaret singing or anything real creative yeah. or fun. Yeah, it's well, you don't have good opinions on that, so it's fine. I'm just kidding. I this is the, the banter that Kat and I have. It's like we're, this. We're like very ten sharp... minutes in, and you're like going for the jugular. Yeah, it's just roasting. this is what we do. You should see our text thread. It's hilarious. Oh God, I love it. I mean, I, there was a time where I hadn't seen Kyle because it was the pandemic, and I didn't see a lot of humans. But whatever. Like for for a very long time, and and the reentry to conversation was just. I took a really awfully wonderful picture of my <laughs> an upshot of my chin. <laughs> And I was like, do you know who I should delete this? But you know who fucking love this? Kyle. <laughs> so I just sent it to him. I was like, I don't know. I hope you're well. Like, this is what yeah. this and I, is I responded life now. with like, yeah. uh, good to, good to know things don't change. You know, right, right. something stupid. It wasn't like, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so glad to hear from you. It was like, that's about right. We all we all need those friends. We That's all true. need those friends. Yes. Oh my god. They're important. God, I love you so much. Incredibly humbling all the time. <laughs> well, it's it goes both ways too. But Kat, for real though, what are you here to talk about today? Well, I'm here to talk about crisis public relations or crisis PR. Yes. Because okay. I mean, like, I feel like everything is in crisis all the time well, at this point. So it's true. <laughs> I am. When Kyle told me this was the topic, I'm not going to lie. I squealed a little bit oh. because my undergraduate degree is in public relations and I took crisis PR Fine. classes and we did crisis PR exercises. Fine. Like, so I'm, I'm really excited about this because oh I feel gosh. like I'm just doing a little refresher course. I love that. <laughs> to I make love sure I can that. still keep that degree hanging behind me. You know, you could, and 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 a lot of people who have degrees in it have no business doing it. It's amazing. It's true. I've never done anything in PR <laughs> with it, so it's serving me very well. I did that whole four years so that I could do this podcast episode right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever we get in trouble with, we get canceled. We'll lean on your expertise. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. Like, call cat. <laughs> Right, or don't, don't call me. Yeah, don't call I don't her. Want to deal with your price. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that. Um, no, <laughs> crisis PR is so, it's so like fascinating. It's, mm -hmm. it's sexy. It's, you know, it's the kind of stuff where like people, if ever, at least when I experienced, when I got into my career of crisis PR, people be like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well. It's like, is it like scandal? Like all like, the time? Yeah. <sighs> That's what everybody well, asks you, right? I was about to say, I was like, it's like Olivia Pope. All yes. Time. Except for, it. it's really not. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not really Olivia Pope or Samantha Jones all the time. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it, but, you know, like, kind of like in its, in its best day, it's, it's, you know, slightly sexy. It's mostly just like um, sweat inducing, um, oh blood pressurizing. Yeah. All the time. I don't. I don't know how you do. Like, I don't thrive well under stress. So I don't know how you guys do that. It's just seems like, I, I don't know. Well, look, it's not for everybody. And for a while, it honestly didn't feel like it was for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think because I am a creature with high anxiety and in my own life, I am a scenario planner. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, let's talk about the, the worst thing that could happen to me. And let me plan out all the routes and ways in which this could happen so that mm -hmm. I know what to do when and if it happens or if I have a playbook. Yeah. Yeah. So like my, an my anxious nature translated into um, what I did for a career. Which my That's... therapist would have a lot to talk about. about <laughs> um, she was like, lean into your strengths. Kat. She'd be like, I wonder why you picked that. I'm like, 
don't know, Laura. That's what I pay you for. I, you know, that actually kind of resonates with me because like I am the same way. Like I think through almost every scenario when it comes to like a stressful situation, mm-hmm. but it never manifests in like a prepared way. It manifests in like a, I'm going to cry later. You're spiraling. Yeah. It's a spiraling yeah, it's spiraling. Way. Well, yeah. that, but that's like a very good fine line. A lot of the times when you deal, if you're a crisis PR person, your crisis communications counselor, you're dealing with clients who are either not thinking about it at all and are mm-hmm. hit with it and are like, Whoa, or they're overthinking it all the time, spiraling, mm-hmm. and they can't discern between like, what is real? What is a crisis? And what is like, you know, bubbling underneath the surface that could amount to a crisis mm-hmm. but isn't quite yet and so then you're either in constant fight or flight as a person or a company or a political figure mm-hmm. or at least in my dealings or you're in um I don't want to talk about it I don't want to think about it I don't want to think about the bad things I don't even want to plan for them just when it happens it'll happen I hope yeah. it doesn't happen mm-hmm. I know you can't go into specifics about like where you worked and who you worked with <laughs> Um, and totally fine. Um, I was kind of wondering though, like when you would have clients come to you, like on average, where would they be in the scale of crisis? So like I was saying, so it's, it's, it's like two, there's two parts. Mm -hmm. And when we worked with clients, we would either, sometimes they would call us clients that we never talked to or ever. I worked at a, to back up a a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked at, my career was um, in two global PR firms. And so we had large scale clients, like, like fast food chains, Mm -hmm. infant formula manufacturers, um, like massive consumer product goods, uh, uh, companies. And so sometimes these folks would retain crisis and issues management just ongoing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these folks would call us up out of the blue in the actual middle of a crisis and be like, we need help. Yeah. Oh no. What should we do? And that's when things were real interesting. You really had to like put on your fixer hat and be like, all right, how do I help you with this fire? (laughs) The best clients would be the ones who recognized, all right, we know that we could have a crisis at any moment, any, any time we need to prepare for it and have some sort of playbook we need to figure out certain scenarios. We need to not, then when we figure that out, we need to figure out what the hell we're going to say. Mm-hmm. And we need to practice it. So we need to run drills. So this is what you were talking about, Courtney. Like, yeah. I don't know if you, you went through this when you were, you know, in school with it, we would do it. It was by the way, for theater people, the most exhilarating form of improv <laughs> is doing yeah. a crisis simulation. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It was, we, we called it the hot seat exercise. Ah, um, yeah. And then they've actually now like the uh, kind of main PR teacher where I went to school, he was originally like the uh, public affairs officer for the secretary of defense and the spokesperson mm. for the Marine Corps. And mm. so he had a lot of experience in that, but he started off just doing this hot seat exercise in his senior class. And then he created a whole whole course just around this hot seat exercise that they do it like multiple times. Um, But it's like, it was not a, a, an extremely realistic scenario. I mean, we were given a real scenario of something he had dealt with, with the Marine Corps. Uh, And then he was like, you get three weeks to prepare 
And then we had to go out to the, the university television station, dressed as if we were doing a press conference, stood in front of a podium with all the lights on us. There were cameras on us and about 30 journalism students and professors that had a 20 minute time frame to just pepper us with questions. And if you said no comment, or I don't know more than three times, you failed the exercise. Right. That's, <laughs> That's really like a standard practice. Yeah. I wish... You know, I went to school, I went to Michigan State, and I majored in communications with a specialization in PR. And like, there was, we didn't do any of that. And I so wished we would. And I feel like schools do it more often now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel like they have to now. Well, they have was, to now. It was interesting because like, um, so my instructor, Steve, he gave us like actual scenarios of crisis cases that he had worked on himself. Yeah. So he had all the familiarity with it. And it was kind of beneficial for us because it had already happened. So we were able to do a lot of research of like how it was handled and what the outcomes were so that we could kind of shape our, our approach based on that. Um, but like the people that were asking us questions, they didn't know. They just, they had no information other than what we told them when we like gave our briefing and then opened it up for questions. Um, but yeah, it was, it was intense. I remember being so nervous (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, it was that feeling at the end where I was like, holy fuck. Yes. I just nailed that. That was awesome. But I was like, I couldn't do this every day. I would just, all my hair would fall out. And I would be right, right. Right. Like the cortisol spikes, you just be like, I'm constantly being attacked by a saber toothed tiger. I don't know yeah. what to do. Like it was a lot. It was a lot. But what wonderful like experience for that professor to come and bring it to the mm-hmm. classroom and be like, yeah. you want to do this for a living? Like, this is what yeah. happens. And like the um, crises that like the crisis that he would pick out were like range like he had some I think the one class he did like the Tylenol murders that it was like you you're gonna be PR for oh. Johnson and Johnson like approaching this case the one that I had to do was really really awful it was a case where three Marines had kidnapped and assaulted a young girl in Okinawa and it was oh, like no. handling that case of like having to deal with the relations of having us soldiers in japan where they're not exactly welcomed and accepted and like then this case takes place with an underage girl and it was it it was a lot and you're dealing <laughs> with like co- cross cultural things too exactly 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 oh man i feel i i don't I was know like, thanks for the easy I, one steve yeah I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if cat you've ever been in a situation like that where it's like you don't like ethically you're like how do i how do i get behind this and try to spin this in a way that's like you know positive for this company so that is it's so hard and different people different communications firms or consultants like you do have to ask yourself those questions sometimes when companies come to you and i found myself in a position um we our firm was supporting <laughs> Um, work with some fraternities, which at the time mm. were having a lot of problems. A little bit of hazing here and there. Hazing here and there. Or like videos were being posted of people chanting racist things oh, or no. allegations. Uh, I mean, yes. Like, I don't know if you remember, it was like 2015 is when there was like a mm-hmm. real big rash of like fraternity uh, mm-hmm. misconduct going on. Yeah. Yeah. Universities. Yeah. And uh, a fraternity came to us and our firm took it. And, but I myself struggled with like, do I, I mean, I wasn't ever a part of Greek life um, when I went to college. Um, mm-hmm. 
I struggle a little bit to be like, do I want to sign on to this? Do I believe they're doing the right thing? There are some companies that come to you that are, are truly want to fix their messes or truly want to do the right thing in whatever the situation is. Right. Mm-hmm. Others want to get around it. Or right. And others away. are like, yeah. I don't want to do the right thing. And sometimes PR firms oh. will cut ties. Well, they don't say that to you. They, yeah. Like, That's the inside part. I don't want to do the right thing. But for example, <laughs> like, no, no, we don't want to tell them that it was wrong. We just, how do we talk our way around it? So everyone forgets yeah. about it. I mean, PR firms, if they're good and if they're worth their, you know, money, they'll, they'll, they, they do have a, they do have ethics to be like, are, is this company, is the CEO, are these people trying to do the right thing? Mm-hmm. And that is the crux of it because in crisis communications, it's, it's a fine line, right? Like again, in crisis comms for whatever you're, whether you're dealing like government, political, or you're like publicist, celebrity, Mm -hmm. or you're in academia, in schools and colleges, or you're in the corporate worlds, um, you know, you're not making the business decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You can advise on them. You're not making the business decisions. Mm-hmm. And when you're not making the business decisions, your words only go so far. Yeah. You can only yeah. say so much. Right. Um, I've worked with clients before and when they come to us, they're like, this is, this is, this is the problem we're experiencing. Um, where let's say it's like, oh, we met, like we messed up. And this is a result, like we're doing an internal investigation or like say it's, say it has something to do with like, you know, race, racism or whatever. And then the company's like, there was a video that exposed X, Y, and Z. And it turns out, oh my gosh, like it's systemic and we're looking into our company and, you know, what do we say? What can we do? How do we make this go away? How do we take the heat off? And there's only so much you can say to take the heat off a situation because it quickly mm-hmm. turns into what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And when a crisis happens, there's a couple of different things. When I, uh, a lot of folks at my firm, we, we talked about it. There were like several R, R words we used. It was respond, report, repair, reform. Mm-hmm. And whatever crisis in whatever sector those kind of things lay lay the their anchoring of your communication responses. Mm. And uh, you know, we would we would help direct it in that way. Um and and there's different crises for different sectors too. Like there's the crisis that we think about where like death, uh like the Northern Atlantic train situation in Ohio. Oh, like that's God. massive, right? Oof. Um when there is um, you know, I, I witnessed this with a client in 2011, but most recently the infant formula shortage that happened a year mm. and a half ago as a result of contaminated product and several infants dying. This was with Abbott Oof. laboratories yeah. and manufacturer Similac. Yeah. These are catastrophic. A crisis is defined as any situation um, that has a significant business impact. Mm-hmm. And a significant reputational impact. 
And those type, or like a mass shooting at an office place, um, a death of a CEO, like mm. these cybersecurity, cybersecurity breaches, massive. Yeah. Um, food recalls. I did, I worked with clients that were doing food recalls all the time. A lot of yeah. that just happens. And that's a crisis in that it affects their stock bottom line, depending. Mm -hmm. Those have a formula in terms of how you handle it and how you communicate. When there's death involved, different, different. I can't imagine that like anything, any other PR crisis could be as terrible as dealing with like infant more death. Like, the most vulnerable. Good Lord. Population. Yeah. Oof. Right. Right. And then you get into things where then, then there is like intervention from federal agencies. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're dealing with legal things. So as a communicator, your job is to help the company message around that crisis. Mm -hmm. talk about it mm -hmm. in a way that is authentic to their company and their brand, depending mm -hmm. in a way that make, you know, helps them be transparent and in a way that helps them get to the other side sometimes, which is mm -hmm. to the repair and reform. And sometimes that's tricky. So first you're reactive when something bad happens, bad, something bad happens. Yeah. Then there is a point in a crisis where you switch to proactive. Okay, well, how are we going to turn this? Out? How do we own the narrative? What are we doing about this? How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. All of that. And so when we work with companies at the onset of just working with them, that's why we're like, you got to plan for stuff. We need to know, like, where's your weakness? What are you most worried about? What keeps you up at night? What are the five things that would just sink this company? Let's plan for them. Yeah. And mm. as much planning as you can do, you can't plan mm -hmm. for everything. Yeah. Let, let's talk about it. Who, and you know, who is your spokesperson? Has your CEO been trained in the media and who's manning your social media? That's the mm. other thing. <laughs> yeah. You've got crises where it's like, you know, business continuity things where it's like, oh no, like our product is tainted with whatever. Mm-hmm. And that just goes, I mean, everything is on fire on social media. It's on social media in like a second. Oh, yeah. Right? We know this. And and these are the type, I just call them like just like classic crises, what we're talking about right now yeah. with just businesses. In a post-Trump world, we're now dealing with more than ever social justice crises. Everything mm -hmm. coming from George Floyd, mm -hmm. everything that's involved with um, you know, trans rights, anything that's involved with abortion. These are things where companies could easily say, like I would say like five to 10 years ago, they could be like, we don't comment on political issues and they'd be fine. That's, right. That's not fine. a thing anymore. Yeah. Because they don't. The court of public opinion and depending on your company and your brand, the expectation is that you have to say something now. Yeah. And I that's think like, hard. And I think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I think Pardon, that sorry. people have like gotten wise to like, okay, money is what runs this company here. I mean, mm -hmm. this country here. So like, I need to know where you're spending your money if I'm going to yeah. spend it with you. Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of that too is because, I mean, more than ever, it's being made public, like where donations are going, right. who's oh, donating yeah. to what campaigns, to what, you know, right. electees. Like, it, <laughs> you, no. you, you see that you're like, oh, Oh, Walgreens is giving money to who? Great. I'm going to start going to write it. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> and right? I think that and, like, yeah, go ahead. Like, go ahead. 
Well, I think that goes directly back to your point, Kat, about social media is that like, there are so many people uh, that have huge platforms that's like, oh, you want to talk about McDonald's? Let's look at where their money goes. And they'll just post their donor list on Mm -hmm. social media. And then it just explodes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's where all these crises play out. And sometimes the crises are actually social media crises where like Mm -hmm. someone has said something stupid in a tweet. Yeah. Wait, hold on. That I've been thinking about this. This I saw this on TikTok, and it reminds me of that sketch on SNL when Harry Styles was on there, and he was in control of Sarah Lee Bread's uh, Twitter, and he kept posting on like uh, the Hemsworth like rail me daddy. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> he got pulled into a meeting where they like talked through all of his texts. I mean, all of his tweets at Sarah Lee. I mean, honestly, like, let's talk about how many of these social media crises are a result of the fact that a lot of these people are older and do not know how to use technology. We've all seen the clips from the freaking TikTok hearing and they're like, does TikTok use the Wi-Fi? Can it see the Wi-Fi in my house? Like, what the fuck, Grandpa? Do we have a government PR? God, we need need a lot. We need a lot. The government, yeah. No, I mean, there have been people who it's like, there's, I can't remember what state it is. There's some representative who's in hot water right now because uh, he's he's in Tennessee. I don't remember his name, like district or anything, but he's been (laughs) posting on this like young gay man's post on Instagram from his professional rep account. so rich. Oh, Listen. look at you, gorgeous. Like, oh, it's such a fire, fire, day fire. And I can see your smile. And I'm like, oh my God. This man but is the promoting photo is anti LGBTQ. Yes. It's but got the, the photo blue is of check marks. It's oh, like, it's what in the fight. But this is the world we live in where it's like, again, like you've got these, like, again, I want to say classic crises, but like familiar things that Common we know. Like, oh, obviously mm-hmm. that sucks. Yeah. You, the ones where we go, here we go again. Right. Where you're like, oh, that's not going to end well, you know, but like, there's yeah. like a formula to how to almost deal with it a yeah. little mm. bit. And the mediums change and you have to like effectively communicate like on social media first mm-hmm. before you like release a press release and like all this shit. Sure. Um, but the social media crises themselves, yes. Like they happen because people don't know how it works mm-hmm. or People aren't necessarily trained, like executives would just fly off the handle without counsel. Or on the other spectrum, you have a lot of young brand managers. These are younger people, uh, more socially adept with the, you know, social media technology who are oftentimes like pressing send and they're the voice of, you know, the Hot Pockets brand or Mm -hmm. mm, KitchenAid, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever. And they sometimes mess up and they'll say something Mm -hmm. from their, or they get hacked into. And it is like a nefarious sort of trying to like fuck with the brand. Mm -hmm. And that goes so fast. Um, And it gets out of control. Um, I could see the social media account for Hot Pockets getting really really out of control really quickly oh for sure it does. i mean <laughs> like wendy's wendy's twitter is just oh. unhinged i live for unhinged. it i love it but i feel like if that one got hacked it might take us a minute to realize it because we'd be oh, like because when well, they're, they're really, really pushing it a little more than usual but mm-hmm. it is Wendy's. That's the other thing <laughs> it's become also very commonplace for brands to join the snark yeah and oh, they'll oh, they'll, yeah. they'll be a cheeky except for i think it was what um, some pizza company, I forget if it was, it wasn't Domino's. Um, was it little Caesar posting on the Ides of March? 
No, no, no. It was someone who took a hashtag or was trying to be opportunistic with why I stayed. It was like kind of like from a oh, um, God. domestic yeah. violence. And mm-hmm. someone was like, uh, why I hashtag why I stayed because you got pizza. Oh, no. Or because he bought so pizza. tone deaf. So, right. So uh, companies also are so quick to to jump on the cultural zeitgeist of like whatever is happening, whatever the conversation is and be like, I want relevance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going mm. to also jump into this conversation and they do it and it's tone deaf or it completely misses the mark mm-hmm. or it makes no sense. And it, it creates their own crises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and so it's it's fascinating to watch those things become crises in and of themselves when there wasn't an even an issue with the company. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or brands who look at cultural crises and say, "All right, we're you know we're going to stand by women's issues, or we're going to celebrate Juneteenth." And like Walmart last year was like Juneteenth, we're going to celebrate Juneteenth. We are going to release a Juneteenth ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, what does Juneteenth taste like? Please tell me. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that creates problems, and it ha- and, but it plays out. I mean, again, it plays out on social, and it's a um a, one of my bosses uh, a couple years ago. One of the things we would tell companies, he would tell companies a lot, was like slow kills companies fast. Mm. Yeah, you cannot take days, sometimes hours, to respond. To something that's blowing up, mm-hmm. yeah, is uh, everything yeah. everything's so rapid paced? Like I, it just, yeah, and you never know when it's going to happen. It's no, it just seems like um, very intimidating. It's extremely intimidating. Um, oh man, I just forgot what I was going to say. I feel no like mind. with some of those, like you said, some of the more common ones <laughs> that you know, some something crazy happened on social media, whatever. Like it. It is something that companies should be somewhat prepared for. Like they should have some kind of game plan in place so that they don't get stuck waiting. But I mean, I just feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Capitalism rules everything. So it's like, is that preparing for an imaginary scenario, something that they're going to prioritize? Maybe not. Right. right. Because they're like, why that would waste my time. Right. Until it's happening. Right. Why would I worry about this when I have money to make? I have billions to transfer into my checking account. And also it's scary. It's scary. Like Mm -hmm. we will deal with, we've dealt with a lot of executives who are point blank. They're like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be put through my paces because it's uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. we know. I, re- I remember my professor always talking yeah. about that. He was like, you know, he goes, when I was working with, you know, all these different places with the government and the military, he's like, we always knew it wasn't a matter of like, if something was going to happen, but when, and what was it going to be? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, you know, you, you can't avoid it. That stuff is going to happen. It will happen to everyone. There is no way around it. You're just going to have to be ready for it when it comes. Yeah. But- and then. In- and in the court of public opinion, people will judge you on what happened, but they judge you far more on what happens after. Yeah. Mm. And how you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I think like what a, a good case or like instance of this is like the whole Chris Pratt Hillsong thing. Like Chris Pratt was like huge. Everyone loved him. And then it came out that he was like attending Hillsong Church and he didn't say anything about it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then even afterwards, people were like, just feeling icky about it you know yeah well because then his comment because like for anybody listening who doesn't know Hillsong has a very strong anti-LGBT 
LGBTQ perspective. And they're very vocal about that. And so people called him out on that. And it was months before he said anything in an interview. And then it was just, well, you know, I think everybody is welcome there. Okay, well, you can think whatever you want, but their actions and behaviors prove otherwise. So like, (laughs) you're not off the hook just because you're like, well, I don't think it's a problem. Well, and so that begs the question. And like Chris Pratt, like that's a personality, right? That's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And that's different because that's a person and with personal beliefs. Mm -hmm. And he has his own brand too, but you know, that does beg the question of like, you know, sometimes companies will be like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, are you, there's an argument of what is, what is being on the right side of history? What does that look like? Should you even get into that discussion or should you stand by what you're doing? We do often tell companies to be like, okay, if you don't want to play this game, if you're not into this discussion, stand by what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but make a choice. Yeah. Cause you can't be silent anymore. Mm -hmm. And you have to say something. And if that something is not, is going to anger like part of your constituents, then, and you're okay with it. You gotta be okay with it. Mm -hmm. You gotta say why. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Chick-fil-A and their whole, their LGBT thing when they were like, no, that's, we're a Christian company and yep. we're and, standing by that. And yep. you could, you could have, you know, have your opinion about that as a, as a consumer and decide if you want to patronize that or not. But they did come and come out and say like, okay, well this, but this is what we're doing. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough spot to be as a, as a company because everyone's, I mean, you know, as, as it relates to Roe v. Wade, it was huge. Mm-hmm. And people calling on like you, if you're a company, like you have to stand by women's rights. This is women's health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, like I personally believe that fine. But abortion is a really difficult and complex topic mm-hmm. for a company to get involved in, depending on yeah. who your company is. Mm-hmm. Some companies, it makes a lot of sense for them to come out and take a stand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting, like with that example specifically, like in the news recently that Walgreens announced they're not going to be providing the abortion pill anymore. Mm -hmm. And the state of California came out and was like, we are no longer pursuing any contracts with Walgreens. We're cutting them off. Like the whole state is Mm -hmm. no longer working with Walgreens. Right. So like, you know, I mean, it's one of those things of like, you know, again, you can't stay silent. You have to put your foot down and come out one side or the other, right. but there can be a lot of ramifications depending on where, t- which side you come down on. Absolutely. So- absolutely. And that's the, that's the decisions that are happening on the company levels of like, if what, damned, if we do damned, if we don't like, yeah. and that's what's yeah. like, what are our scenarios? If this happens, then what, and how do we say it? Yeah. I think another thing that's interesting with um, kind of, kind of with that example, but also connecting a little bit to the Chris Pratt piece is the fact that now that everybody like social justice issues are such a big topic, yeah. like mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of instances of people losing brand deals because one person mm-hmm. spoke out about something and the company's like, fuck, no, we don't stand nope. for that. You're done. And, right. But then it also causes issues for them of like, like, I know I've seen with Chris Pratt, like some of the uh, Marvel movies and like the guardians of the galaxy movies, things that he's in, that's like, their revenues are dropping a little bit because people aren't wanting to go support something he's part of. And it's That's like, why well, they can't drop him because he's got a contract, but he's probably not going to get another one. <laughs> like, oh no, That's this know? is the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, he's, it's the I'm final sure one. I'm pretty sure he's dying in it. 
Yeah. Oh, well. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, I guess. Well, and I think that's that's absolutely true, Courtney. It's not also not so much like that's when someone that's like in part of the brand deal is like being um, getting heat on them. It's not even Mm -hmm. so much the company like I don't support that. It's just like I don't want to be anywhere near that. So we're cutting ties. And that's kind of comes back to you talk about like that timeliness of like you can't spend days making this decisions on some of this stuff. Like you want to throw it way back. Jared from Subway. That shit came right. out and Subway was like, Girl. fucking peace, bro. Right. Bye. <laughs> right. But I do think it invites sometimes, I'm trying to reach for like a good example of this, but I do think it sometimes, because it's it's such a fast demand of like, make a, make a quick decision, you're in or you're out, we're mm-hmm. cutting ties or we're not. Mm-hmm. It does cause companies to sometimes lose, maybe not in certain situations, like like Kanye West and like Adidas. And like, they were all like, ah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Okay. Bye. Um, no. Um, or like Balenciaga and all that kind of stuff and what they're going yeah. through. But um, there is such a, a low threshold for any sort of nuance in certain situations. Yeah. Mm. Not in all, but in certain, I think that companies are now so frightened There's to a lot of stand on anything. Yeah. That they will just automatically be like zero tolerance. Goodbye. Zero tolerance. Goodbye. And a lot of the times that's appropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of the times you're like, well, well, (laughs) there can be some knee jerk reactions that are not exactly warranted. Right. Right. Or, 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 um, performative actions. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. another big thing. We live in a performative social world in which, you know, like, I don't know. Like, how do we feel about brands capitalizing on certain, on like, you know, International Women's Month? Yeah. How do we feel about that Juneteenth ice cream? How do we feel about that? Like, what the hell? Yeah. And a lot, or a lot of brands are like, should we have a logo for Pride Month? We should have a logo for for our social handles for Pride Mm -hmm. Month. And several years ago, that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, what are you doing the other 11 months of the year? Correct. And what, but no one, what are you as a company doing? Like, don't wave your pride flag. Right. And then I, you know, employee policies don't reflect that type of, you know, viewpoint Mm -hmm. or or is is your company donating or putting money in their, in their, um, you know, CSR initiatives into certain organizations that support, Mm -hmm. you know, the cause um, if you're going to turn your brand into a black box, uh, after George Floyd, after George Floyd, uh, what percentage of your workforce is made up of African-Americans? Like mm-hmm. what's your equal pay situation? It's, you know, and oh. companies are being called to the carpet on that. I don't think yeah. they're so naive anymore. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But it does. It also just feels very, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. I get a big ick factor lately as I look at certain companies who come out to try and really take a moral high ground on certain issues because it's like, for who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's tough. I, I, I feel like maybe after having this conversation and like thinking about all these different layers to it, that PR in this, in this day and age is like rapidly, I mean, rapidly changing with, Oh. the the pace of how 
the culture is shifting and how wise people are getting and how more, more and more and more we pull back the curtain on the mechanics of our society, you know, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I just feel like that's, it's got to be extremely difficult to adapt at such a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's extremely difficult, but it is the, the most basic form of doing business. And that's why I said to you, Kyle, and jokingly in text, when I was like, it's the oldest profession. Yeah. PR is the oldest profession Mm -hmm. because it's all about um, controlling and manifesting the narrative Mm -hmm. of your, of what, of your, of your kingdom, of your company, of yourself. It's, it's how you either stay in the public conversation or stay out of the public conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very, you know, cause like sometimes we're like PR, what is that party planning? That, is that- <laughs> and it can be. Yeah. Sometimes that is Samantha Jones from Sex yeah, Those are campaigns. <laughs> those are like proactive, like mm-hmm. we're going to have a kickoff event to celebrate this product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also just about how do you talk about yourself as a company? Mm-hmm. It's your brand, like how, what is your persona as a, as a brand? How do yeah. you, how do you talk? How do you, you know, how do you get your message across? It, it's the oldest profession in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at like, everyone's a fan of Hamilton here, right? The musical. Mm-hmm. Of course. Love it. Yeah. But you know, like there's that song, the Reynolds pamphlet mm-hmm. where like Hamilton like blows himself up mm-hmm. before the other guys can yeah he exposes himself in his affair yeah that was like a shrewd pr move mm-hmm. yeah companies deal with that all the time when they're like we have an investigation going on into like nefarious you know like sexual harassment or a college is like oh my god this person is uh, like oh there's there's hazing going on on our football team or we've got like a whistleblower that came forward like that says like the coach sexually harassed or whatever i'm like making stuff up but it yeah. happens, right? We know mm-hmm. it. We've seen it. And like these institutions have to decide, like, are we going to proactively come out and say that this is going on so we can control the narrative? Mm. Or are we going to do our due diligence internally and know that like someone is probably going to leak it and then just be ready to respond and say, yep, we're on it and we're doing X, Y, and Z. Which which is better? Blowing your own whistle or letting someone do it for you? That's I, another thing like they call they call the you know the P, the crisis yeah. PR people and to be like what what do we do what's what's the best worst decision here yeah i feel you like know? it's like, in, in from my perspective like just even as a consumer i always appreciate hearing from the company first yes. hey this happened mm-hmm. this is wrong this is bad we are looking into it so yeah. we can figure out what to do as opposed to like hearing it on the news and then 3 days later <laughs> yes as you've heard this is going on but we're looking into it because that just feels so reactionary of like yeah. Were you ever going to say something if no one else did? Right. 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 No, I, I, I agree. I agree too. I mean, I think we always want to hear it from the horse's mouth first mm-hmm. because it does look super shady sometimes. That's, yeah. I mean, and again, I know like my professor would always say, he's like, it's so much better for you to start the narrative because then you have control of it from the beginning oh. as yeah. opposed to letting somebody else start it. And then you're trying to pick up all the pieces that are exploding mm-hmm. across the internet as it, you know. Yeah. Yes. And that's the viral. whole, right. I mean, I think 20 years ago, it would be much easier to be like, you know what, we're not going to say anything because that's going to draw more attention. That's going to mm. like all of a sudden put a road sign up 
mm-hmm. to be yeah. like, take this exit when people weren't even thinking about having to go to the bathroom. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they mm-hmm. were like, why would we call more attention to it and create mm-hmm. our own problem? But today you can't, stuff is always going to be leaked, mm-hmm. hosted, found, act. Like it just, the vulnerability of companies is alarming. Like they're naked. Yeah. And yeah. I I mean, that is definitely a sign of where we are. Cause I mean, back in like the fifties, the sixties, it was not the same way. You didn't have that easy, accessible internet to share yeah. everything and, you know, spread news across. It was like, you had one hour of news in the evening. Right. And if you didn't hear it, okay, well maybe it'll be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And you so have one like, newspaper. You PR, had a newspaper yeah. that arrived. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so it's, it's like PR has adapted and changed so much over the past, you know, even just the past 20 decades. Yes. Uh, I mean, but in the years. past three years, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, uh, it's really fascinating. And it's it's also really easy to sit and criticize and be like, oh my God, that guy, that person didn't come out for five days and, and, and now they said something. And mm-hmm. it's probably because they didn't have crisis PR counsel retained. Mm-hmm. They didn't figure out what the hell to do. They finally mm-hmm. retained their counsel. Their counsel told them what to say. Their lawyers said, no, we can't say that. Their counsel came, the PR counsel came back and said, no, you have to say something. Their lawyers mm-hmm. came back and said, we can't. The CEO got involved and said, okay, well, I got to say something. And then it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's usually what's happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I mean, I never even thought about like the, the lawyer's part in oh. it being like, oh no, we're not saying that. Yeah. That's another obstacle. Mm. Again, when you're the communications PR support, you really, you don't have a lot of control over the business decisions mm, yeah, or the legal decisions. And it, it, it can be either you have a wonderful relationship with the general counsel, like you get in good with them and they work with you, or you have a fighting relationship because you're going to say, I want to say, you know, I want to acknowledge the situation and say that we're looking into this and that and whatever. And the lawyers will come back and be like, we can't comment on anything. And to your point, Courtney, you say no comment, you're dead. Mm-hmm. No comment so, is a comment. It's a comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so you're always trying to, so you're fighting, not fighting, but like you're trying to work with the lawyers to be like, well, what can we say? Yeah. Because of course, like mm-hmm. admission of guilt, there's legal implications to that, depending right. on your crisis. But there yeah. are things, or or saying like, "I'm sorry if we offended people with our rogue tweet of whatever." And it's right. Like, Not an apology. <laughs> Not an apology. It's I'm sorry that, and we won't yeah. do it again. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're not sorry, say you're not sorry. Defend your yeah. actions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been so fascinating. I, I mean, it. I feel like we're at like a sort of a wrapping up point. Kat, did you have anything else you wanted to bring into the conversation? Oh I have a question for you, if not. Oh, yeah. If there was in like current or past uh, a crisis that you would want to be like involved in or that intrigues you, is there one that like sticks out in your brain? Like, oh shit, I want to be on that one. Oh my gosh. Do you know what? It's like, Oh, I don't want to be on anyone <laughs> because of what I just told you about like, Oh no, I know what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there is an innate curiosity of like, Oh God, I wonder what the, I wonder what their crisis council really was. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. There was, it was years ago. I think it was like 2017. There was, do you remember um, United Airlines, that passenger that was like dragged out of his seat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I mean, the, the airline, like, let's just say if there's one industry that constantly has to deal with like the most extreme crisis. I would yeah. say like the airline industry, like mm-hmm. they, oh, yeah. I would never want to work for them because I think I would actually like throw myself off a cliff because I couldn't handle this. <laughs> um, I'd be like, seriously, hey. goodbye. Um, Her phone rings. They're like, hi, it's Delta. She's like, shh, shh, I'm going through a tunnel. Bye. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I can't. <laughs> I just fired myself. Like, see you later. Um, and look, like that whole thing was not, is not as terrible as like, you know, Malaysia flight 370 just disappearing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, that I remember, it, I mean, it went viral within like seconds and the CEO came out and he was like, I'm really sorry to see this happened. We're going to work to like re, like re, uh, reseat our, like our passengers. Like it said something like so insensitive to the gentleman that had undergone, you know, this horrible thing. Yeah, He was like, I'm real sorry to see that that happened to United. We're going to work to like, <laughs> re, you know, like, you know, get vouchers to the passengers that were there and, and people lost their shit. Cause they were like, what did you say? Then he came out with like <laughs> a second apology, but was extremely defensive. And that mm-hmm. didn't hit the mark. Then their stock plummeted. Then he came out with a third one that was like, you could tell by reading it extremely, like he did not craft it. It was not him. It was like, it had all the hallmark of, I'm really sorry that this happened. We are taking this seriously. The the number one thing that's important to us is our passengers and their safety. So we're going to be doing this and looking into that and launching this task force and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. I think when I watched that happen, I was kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember Joe was working for United at the time when that happened. And I remember like talking to Joe and be like, what is happening? Because he would get like in the internal memos about everything ah, right. you know, at being an employee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going to happen? He's, and man, he was, I think he was pretty new at United at that point. And he was just like, I, uh. <laughs> planes something happened yeah yeah oh crazy yeah i mean it's it's fascinating i mean i hope when you whenever you look at a tweet from a company or an initiative from a company think twice about how what has gone on behind the scenes either to prepare them for coming out with that kind of statement Mm -hmm. or to save them and help them react and kind of like get their shit together it's yeah you know, I it mean, it seems to, to, to like kind of the lay person, it seems like such a straightforward thing of like, just tell, tell us you're wrong and fix it. Yep. But there are mm-hmm. so many layers to that process. Like you said, like legal liabilities and like, you know, figuring out where the break in the chain was that caused right. the whole thing. And like, right. it's, it's not just a like, we're so sorry. It's fixed. We take full responsibility. There's right. way more that goes into it. Right. Right. So awesome. And then, and when do you, and when do you like, sit on that and wait till you have it all figured out. Yeah. How do something. you balance all yeah. of those different things? How do you juggle all those different balls to make sure right. that things don't come crashing down on your head? Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. So 
That's amazing. Kat, thank I you so much it. for being here with us today. This was a fascinating conversation. Yes, this was it fascinating. Was like so I feel like I used my degree for the first you time. You did. <laughs> you sure did. I mean, it's, and here's the thing, like crisis. $80,000 put to good use. <laughs> that's right. I think anyone with a critical thinking brain, though, that's the thing. Like, not, mm-hmm. the, not to be like, anyone can be a crisis counselor, but it's so much of it relies on like gut. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what feels good here? Yeah. What doesn't, um, you know, and, and that's, and that's the interesting part of the job. And it is really interesting. Like when you get to be at a seat at the table of decision-making, um, in a really high stakes situation and it's stressful. And then when you have companies that rely on you or they come out the other side or they rebuild their brand somehow, like it's a job well done. Yeah. Um, Again, if they're fighting for the good, if they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I love this conversation. Love yeah. This is well, a good thank one. you so much for thinking of me outside of, of yeah. my, you know, song and dance. <laughs> <laughs> Next time no. you're here, you can tell us about There's, song and dance. We yeah. love it. There's way more sides to you, Kath, than song and dance. And I'm glad we get to have this conversation. Um so one thing that we do at the end of every episode is we would we do a would you rather question. Um, and they're usually absolutely ridiculous. So I'm glad you're here for this one yeah. because it is absurd. I love it. I'm so scared. Okay, Courtney, Kat. <laughs> would you rather be eaten alive by piranhas or shot out of a cannon into a volcano? <laughs> oh. Definitely going with shot out of a cannon into a volcano. At least it seems like a really fun way to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with shot out of a cannon into a volcano too because it seems like a quick death yeah i don't want to be eaten alive and feel it yeah <laughs> although burning alive is also on my top number one ways to not go but think about how True. hot a volcano is like you're gonna die pretty instantly that's what i mean like i think would I you incinerate it yeah would you you'd have like to descend into thousands it. of yeah, degrees I think I would start to burn as I was descending. True. I think I'd probably have a heart attack. I'd probably have a heart attack before I hit the volcano. So that's a good point. That's a good point. I think my body would protect me by dying yeah. preemptively. <laughs> I, you know, I think that would be fun because, like, I am a heavier guy right now. So I think I would kind of smell like marshmallows as I went down. <laughs> then I'd be like, "Oh yay! You're human s'mores." <laughs> and then you get like the sensation of like bitch i'm flying for a brief moment i can fly right but sing into your way to death. death of <laughs> hell but yeah i know the pro yeah I, I think the volcano over animal eating my body would be better follow-up question as you're sailing through the air what would be your final words mine would be <laughs> Just screaming. Yes. <laughs> I think I probably start to like panic apologize for things. <laughs> I think I just be like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go what down. about I, you, Kyle? What yeah. are your final words? <laughs> I think I'd, you know marshmallows. Marshmallows. <laughs> that would be it, I guess. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, my last words would be. Cat's still fat. And just <laughs> down into the. No, we and all I would know. Be you. We all know what the perfect dying words are, which is "I curse you with my dying, my dying breath. breath." Either that, or the if you've got a message for hell, give it to me. I'll take it. 
<laughs> really, I would like to have, that's a good, that's a good thought um, exercise because I do think I should have like some last words at the ready. Yeah. Got to have them ready. Just so like someone could say, be like, and the last thing she said to me was, and it was like this <laughs> yeah. poetically with her. You'd be like, oh, I can't believe she said that on her death. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, I just, you say something beautiful and poetic and it's like, <laughs> and then you just die. Or someone's like, oh my God, we need to put that on a tote bag. Yeah. Like my that's, last words were so great that it's like kind of mug now. That's actually your last words. Put this on a tote bag. <laughs> like put it on a mug in Target. I'm gonna haunt a Target. That's a good idea. I'm, I would haunt a donut place. Absolutely. 100 percent Stand donuts. Forget it. Just be like donuts flying everywhere. I would just be Love chilling it. at one of the wineries in Sonoma and just that's a, oh, that's be living my best life. I'd be like, I would oh, haunt- don't worry about that empty bottle. That's just our resident ghost. She drinks a lot. <laughs> You'd be drunk as a ghost. That would be so good. Right? Yeah. Because you oh could be God. unlimitedly drunk for eternity. Yeah. I suppose. There's there's a girl on TikTok who's been making videos as like the like welcome receptionist for heaven. And so she mm-hmm. does all these videos where she's like, what's your name? Okay. What do you want your ghost outfit to be? All right. Great. She's doing what she talks. So she's like, oh my God. Yeah. You can go down there as much as you want. And she's like, you should go into the bar. They've got two for one margaritas today. Betty white is in there. Betty is always in there. <laughs> it's like make room, Betty. Here I come. Oh my God. That's actually, that's so funny. It's so Wait, good. I find this person. It's like, I think her, that. yeah, I was going to say it's like Tarantino, but it's like Taryn, the girl's name. T-A-R-Y-N. Yeah. Oh my god! I would have gone to high school. She said uh, she used to be like Miss New York, like she was like a beauty pageant queen, and now she's doing these TikTok videos, and they're amazing. Well, enjoy it while you last until TikTok gets shut down, friends. Cat, that is you just said. I would haunt a high school theater, and that is absolutely (laughs) the correct answer. Because then you're legendary for hundreds, if not thousands, of people for their entire lives. Also, couldn't you just like? I would just also speak in ghost voice. I would haunt the hell out of all the kids waiting in the wings. I'd be like, ooh, I'd be like, it's your time. Go, go on. It's your cue. And then like, I'd like fuck with them and they would get out there and be like, oh, no. And like, it would, it would just give me such joy. I hope you don't forget your lies. <laughs> yes. That would be so great. Or I would just come out and sing like the Phantom of the Opera, like during yes. Dolls. I need, um, I need all of our listeners to tell us what they want to haunt. When they die, where or are you what their last haunt? words are going to be? Yes, we want to know what you're going to haunt and what your last words are going to be. We're going to put that on our Instagram <laughs> page because we need to know. Awesome, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kat, it. thank you for being here, Courtney. Thank Super you. fun as always. So much fun. I loved this. And I loved uh, this. Good. I'm glad you Yay! did. Well, Kat, <laughs> everyone, we're going to do a new segment we call uh, Kyle's childhood was an asshole cast. <laughs> um, after the episode, uh, stick around if you want to hear about it. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Okay. So here's one story. Our new segment, Kyle, the dickhead kid. Oh my God. We were legitimately the worst kids. We, I remember one night. (laughs) Okay. One night, my grandfather had like this, um, it was like a big rectangle of a house and then like had a big front room, a big dining room in the center. 
kitchen was off to the side and then there was like three bedrooms and then his was like in a back hallway by kind of like where the garage was Mm -hmm. and he would put us to bed um at night and we would sneak out number one as soon as midnight rolled around we'd sneak out and go to the kitchen i mean keep in mind we're all like five six nine right around there and we're like crawling down the hallway like army crawling we'd go like raid his pantry he had like a jar of maraschino cherries that we all finished in a night and then did a bag of like um chocolate morsels that we just downed and we decided it was going to be a good night to have a parade in his house so we all got um pots and pans out of his cabinets and wooden spoons and then made a parade through his house just bang this is midnight in the middle of the night yeah banging his pots and terrorist child and we were like pa 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 and like went down parade down the hallway to his bedroom (laughs) like at least you were saying his name like in a happy jovial way oh yeah oh yeah and then he like long his door open he was like bone up bad and we all just like dropped all of our little pots and pans and brains and just ran our asses back to our rooms literally (laughs) as you're telling this story i pulled out the list i keep in my phone of reasons to be child free and i just added those assholes will eat my best snacks (laughs) we also ripped out his uh his sighting in his what is wrong with you we were terrible i'll save that for another time though why were you so terrible kyle because we had no supervision it was the 80s he brought seven eight like five to nine year olds and he went and fucking futzed around in the garden and there was no other adults what else were we supposed to do here's the thing were you assholes or were you resourceful because i feel like without screens and shit like maybe you gotta bang on some pats and pots and pants and pants pots and pants pants. the pants and pants the pants and pants i'm from the midwest sometimes you have to pull out the insulation in the walls that for the garage room that's being built and like we did dumb shit when i was a kid but we didn't torment the adults we did the shit where it was like Go to the top of the steep hill, climb in the empty garbage can, and roll down the hill. That's an amazing. Or with the tractor didn't have tire, any hills. get into the tractor tire and push it down the hill while somebody like braces themselves inside of it. That is that like, one's that's fun. I wish until it falls over and you you get a lot of bruises. I mean, and usually there's like water in the tire, so you get oh. all gross water, <laughs> like rainwater all over you. <laughs> well, to your to your question, Kat, I don't know because we didn't have games all we had was four movies and one of them Which i'll give one? you the list of movies we had it was um kathy rigby as peter pan a live version of peter pan or maybe it was mary martin one of those it was mary martin because um, i had that was, one too oh mary martin mm-hmm. it was uh we had the hand that rocks the cradle <gasps> we had fantasia and a recording of mr magoo cartoons so if that informs you about my oh my, my god the hand that rocks the cradle is that's an amazing, amazing movie. Bridget, so did, what's her name? Um, Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that or like seeing the preview of that and being totally terrified for no reason at all. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> I was like, she's oh going to come God. rock my cradle. I'm seven and she's going to come yeah. steal the non-existent child in my house. Well, not only that, but she had like... The most porcelain skin, the thinnest eyebrows, and the whitest zombie eyes, and the whitest children of the corn hair ever to be on film. Is she still alive? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. She's still still with us. 
She's not haunting. She's still with us. (laughs) She's haunting a high school right now. She's haunting a cradle. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. All right. That has been Kyle's in an asshole corner. We will talk to you guys next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye, friends. Bye.